whole thing with the COVID and the, the ramifications of the COVID have been really odd because things like that, that you can't just, you think a plastic cup would be an easy thing to, to get any day of the week. Um, and you think that getting foam insulation, I mean, they make foam for everything, styrofoam insulation, um, and uh, they just can't get it. So, uh, so that's the plan right now is to go ahead and put a black metal roof on the whole building. Uh, and so the, I got the quote for that today. So it's $41,000 for, for the roof. Uh, the budget for the, the whole renovation was $45,000. So, uh, so that's a, a, a little bit more than we had intended to, to spend for that. But, um, you know, the roof has need, been needed to be replaced for a, a while anyway. It's not really bad, but there's a few leaks in it here and there, and it does leak on occasion. We have to go patch it. We've patched it, I don't know, what, 100 times now. And so uh, that's not unusual for a metal roof anyway, right? So, I mean, you've got a metal roof. Uh, how many times have you been up on your roof patching it, right? Yeah, and how long, but how long have you had the roof, right? 20, about 23 years now. Yeah, and so you don't have to do it for a long time, right? But then it's, as it gets older and things start moving, so um, so that's the plan right now. So uh, they they will get started here soon. And um, um, so uh, so that's where we're, we're at on all of that there. So any questions about that? Yes, ma'am. That's for the whole building. So $41,250 for the entire building with gutters on the front of the building. So I asked him to put gutters on the front of the building there as well. So he'll put six inch gutters. And so, and that includes ripping off all the old metal. So they're going to take off all the old metal. Uh, and so that, of course, the old metal, as much as that building is, is probably uh, $41,250 worth of metal there, right? So, <laughs> uh, so I don't know, is that aluminum or steel, Johnny? Do you know? Um, I don't know if can you can you uh, I guess you could probably take that and get it uh, and sell it. You're gonna take that off, yeah. No, you got to take it off because it just it's not you couldn't. There's no way they could do that. They got to take it all off. So they could take all that old metal off, and then I'll give us nice nice clean um, uh, place to start with on the on the new roof, and then um, um, uh, then they'll put the insulation down, and they'll put the new metal roof on top of that so um so uh so that's plan they'll they'll get started i bet they'll start next week even you know he's supposed to come up friday and get the final measurements of everything and uh um, and when they start these these guys are machines they'll get done uh they'll get done with the roof before they get done with the sanctuary easily right uh and so um they'll have probably 25 or 30 guys there just you know one guy be doing something you know and uh of course, now that I've seen how those trusses are built, uh, you could put 20 or 30 guys up there without any trouble, I'd say. Um, so, no, they're not going to paint the trusses. So, uh, the trusses uh, uh, and the uh, and the ceiling will not be painted. Uh, and so, unless there's a coup. And so, if we have a coup, you know, we might be able to get it pulled off, you know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, of course, you know, the, the nice thing about it... Um, if we get it all put together and we look at it and go, you know, it just, just not working, you know, we can always call it audible and I can pull my pastor card and say, you know, I'm the pastor, I do whatever I want to, but, um, but, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, in the, in these types of things, you know, unless it's just a moral or ethical issue, um, you know, I will tend to, to lean towards those that are experts at these types of things, even if my opinion differs, uh, and then we'll because we can see how it goes and it's no big deal if it just turns out that like it's not going to work 
but I would prefer to uh, let the experts do. I will offer my opinion, um, uh, which is oftentimes goes unheard, but. Yes, yeah, they'll screw the metal. Maybe they won't use screws long enough to go down and, inside. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they'll have to do something, screw something down to something, right? If it does, then they'll mess that up. Well, I mean, there's already screws poking through that wood there, right? Yeah, but I don't know. Um, I'll have to talk to them about that and see. Uh, what can be done about that? Because um, um, I mean, the currently the metal, the current metal roof is obviously uh, screwed down, right? Um, but you can't see them. But you can't really see them, so I don't know why you can't see them if they just happen to hit perfectly on all the trusses, I mean, all the wood, you know, going across there, you know. So we'll have to ask them, you know, if there's any way uh, if they can do that, you know, and not uh, because I know on some places it looks like where they replace the screws, it's just random, but. But otherwise, you can't really see screws, right? So, um, uh, so because if they use like silver screws, it'll look really bad, right? So I'll have to talk about that and see what we can do about that. But, um, um, but that's a good point. We'll we'll talk about that. Um, so, all right. Anything else? Let's get something spiritual. You want to? So. Let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God, and we thank you for blessing us each and every day. And, Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy. And, Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you that it's blessed, it's anointed, Father. It carries the power of God with it. And, Father, we use it to energize our faith. And so, Father, we believe your word. We thank you that it's given to us uh, through centuries, Father, being protected by the Spirit of God. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2. We'll continue there today. Uh, and so uh, we've been talking about the ministry of the Lord Jesus and what he did as far as coming to the earth. And, um, you know, this is some of the, the greatest revelation, really, of the, of the New Testament because it really solidifies the work of the Lord Jesus and what he did for us uh, and how he did it. Uh, and so we got to talking last week uh, to... Uh, 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 well, really, verse five, it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So uh, all of these things here that he's talking about in what Jesus chose to do, uh, he's telling us, you know, we should have the same attitude as far as um, doing the work that the Lord wants us to do. Uh, and so uh, since he said, let this mind be in you, then that means it's our choice, right? We can choose to think like the Lord Jesus thinks. We can choose to not think like the Lord Jesus thinks. Uh, and of course, the nice thing about Jesus is he did the most extreme things, right? The, the hardest thing. So he didn't take the easiest work. He took the hardest work, right? So he took the work that nobody else could do. And he said, I'll do that. Uh, and he said, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, something to be held on to. So when the Lord uh, God, the father came to Jesus and said, I need you to go to the earth to uh, be born of a virgin, to live a life as a natural man for 30 years to be baptized in the River Jordan, to receive the Spirit of God upon your life, to minister as an anointed son of man for three and a half years, go to the cross, die, be separated from me for three and a half days, and then be resurrected to complete all these things we've been planning on for centuries. Uh, and, you know, how many times if, if someone came to the CEO of a, of a company and said, hey, I need you to uh, drive the delivery truck today. Uh, we're out of where the, all the delivery truck guys are unable to drive. I need you to do this 
you know, what would otherwise be considered a, a low task from a CEO. Uh, how many CEOs be willing to stoop to that uh, level, right? Uh, or, or worse yet, uh, you know, the secretary's out. Can you, uh, can you be the receptionist at the front door? Uh, or the door greeter is out, you know, can you do that job? Um, or uh, maybe even worse uh, in his mind, uh, the plumber is out and there's a water leak in the women's restroom on, on the third floor. You know, can you go take care of that? Uh, and see, all of those things are way beneath the position and the stature of the CEO, uh, maybe in his mind anyway. Uh, and how many would be willing to stoop to that level to do that, right? And, and of course, that's what Jesus said is who being in the form of God thought of not robbery to be equal with God. So when the Lord came and asked him to do that, when the father came to Jesus and asked him to do that, uh, then Jesus said, sure, I'll be glad to do it, right? That was his response. And in uh, and, and all of these verses, we need to keep going back to verse five. Let this mind be in you. So when the Lord comes to you and says, hey, I need you to do something that might be beneath your stature or beneath your current position, is that something that you're willing to do? Uh, and if your first thought is, well, what are people going to think? Will people think less of me if I do this menial labor, if I do this job? You know, because Jesus went from being the creator of the entire universe to being subject to his mom and dad, right? To being subject to Mary and Joseph on the earth. Uh, he created the, the worlds by speaking them into existence. And now uh, he has to listen to the words of his father and mother and do what they tell him to do. Uh, that's a pretty big change, right? Um, from being the creator of the very people that he's being born from, uh, now he has to listen to them. Uh, and so it says he made himself of no reputation. So that's how he did it. Uh, that's how he was able to go from being the king of kings and lord of lords to being, uh, you know, a child born on the earth was, I don't have a reputation. It doesn't matter what my position is. It doesn't matter what people think my position should be. It doesn't matter what people think of me in my current position. It doesn't matter what people will think about me in my lowly position. It doesn't matter. I don't have a reputation. Uh, and when we can get to that point, you know, sometimes people take this, uh, take, take this verse and they become foolish because of this verse. And I don't mean foolish, you know, like Paul talked about being fools for Christ's sake. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just being foolish, right? Being dumb, being loud, obnoxious, rude, disrespectful, those types of things. Uh, and some, well, I don't care what people think about me. Uh, well, you do because you're intentionally doing things so people will hate you, right? You're doing things with the intention to cause offense. So that's a reputation. You don't think it is, but it's a, if, you're try, if you're doing something because that's what you want to, that's uh, the reaction you want to invoke in people's lives, then you have a reputation. You want the reputation of being the bad boy or being the rebellious one or being the nonconformist. Uh, but that's still a reputation, Amen. Uh, uh, being of no reputation means you don't care either way. If you're the, the king of the world, then, then you're just as good as being the king of the world as you are being the, the, uh, the plumber on the bottom floor. Uh, and when you're the king of the world, you're, you're perfectly fine being the king of the world. And see, some people, they can't do that because either they go to their head or they get the big head or they get, you know, conceited. Uh, and and, th and that's a problem, right? So wherever you are, and that's the key is wherever you are, you need to be of no reputation. So if you're the greatest minister in the whole world, uh, then you're still a person. Uh, and that that's where uh, that's where you can really tell when somebody's of no reputation, not that they're the worst person in the world, because that's still a reputation. And oftentimes people will 
try to uh, cultivate that reputation that, uh, you know, I'm the rebellious one. I'm always, you know, I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that, you know, I don't do things like everybody else. Uh, and I remember the Lord uh, showed me one time uh, about that. He said, you shouldn't do things differently just to be different because that's still a reputation, right? So if everybody's wearing a suit and tie, you know, I'm not wearing a suit and tie. I'm going to wear blue jeans, you know, uh, and it's not about wearing blue jeans. It's about not wearing a suit and tie. So it's not that you really love blue jeans. It's that you're not going to be like them. And so oftentimes people will look around them and say, well, most people are doing this. So therefore, I'm going to do this over here. That's a reputation. That's still pride, right? That's still wanting to be seen. Uh, now, uh, you know, I've got I've got a, a, a student in my class. And, um, you know, uh, we've been in class for about 15 weeks. I think she's had about 15 colors of hair, right? Now this this week, it's like uh, uh, like super bright green, you know, aqua green kind of a color. And, uh, and so I pull, I've got this big stack of sh Sharpies that I use, you know, uh, 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 what are they called? Uh, dry erase markers. And so I've got every color in the rainbow. I say, hey, look, it matches your hair. Let's use this one today. You know, so I'm going to use one that matches your hair every week. And I said, well, when it, it, it didn't look good, so you couldn't see it. Um, uh, and so now I don't really care, you know, I mean, who, you know. And I don't get the impression that she's trying to do it just to be different. She just likes wild color hair, right? Well, none of my business, right? And none, it's none of my business either way. Uh, but, you know, two people could have wild color hair. One person could do it just because that's just who they are, right? They don't have a reputation about wild color hair. That's just they like, they just like other color than just brown, right? Uh, and so, uh, but then other people could do it because I want to have wild color hair because your hair is brown. And I don't want to have hair like everybody else. I want to have hair that's different than everybody else. And so if you're just different for different sake, that's still a reputation. Uh, and, and so that, and that's, that's a real subtle thing, right? It's hard to discern in your own heart why you're doing those things, right? I know some people, you know, uh, want to dress up and kind of look like a prophet of old, you know, what they think a prophet of old looks like. You know, it's no hair, you know, big, big burly beard and mustache, you know, and you know, uh, ratty clothes all the time. And, um, you know, uh, Smith Wilkesworth was, was a great prophet of God. He was really an apostle of God. And he was the most uh, perfectly dressed, pristine individual you've ever seen. No, not a single hair out of place. You know, just, uh, you know, if he would go pray for somebody, uh, if they said, hey, can you come down and pray for me? He said, I'll be right there. He'd go upstairs and put on a three-piece suit and then go pray for them, right? He wouldn't just go in his work clothes. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong either way, but that's just who he was, right? He was such a majestic uh, minister of the gospel uh, because for him, it was, he was a representative of Lord Jesus. It wasn't a reputation when I have to look good. It was, this is who I am. Uh, and so if you can find out who you are, that's fine, right? I don't got no problem with that. But a lot of times, you know, people want to do things, well, I want to get a tattoo, or I want to have an ear piercing, I want to have, you know, wild hair, I want to have a mohawk. I, I don't really care what you have, right? Uh, within the confines of the Word of God, of course. I don't see anything in the Word of God about what color hair you have. Um, and so, you know, whatever you want to do is fine, right? And so <clears throat> uh, I used to have, you know, I used to have brown hair and I had the one little patch of white, right? And then it leaked everywhere. So what I'm going to start doing, I'm going to have a little patch of brown. Uh, and then maybe it'll leak, maybe leak back the other way, right? I don't know. Uh, and so, but see, I, you know, I could have a little patch of brown just to be seen. Well, now I've got a reputation. Oh, he's the, he's the minister with a little patch of brown, right? Uh, and so, uh, is that what I want to be known? It's not, I, I don't want to be known for the, the preacher with a little patch of brown, right? Uh, 
Uh, and so how, how, do you, how do you find that place? Well, it's, it's always a condition of your heart, right? What do you, are you wanting to be seen, right? Are you wanting to be rebellious just for rebellious sake? Are you wanting to be different just for difference sake, right? Uh, and, and um, um, you know, when I was with my pastor, my pastor always wore a suit and tie. Every service always wore a suit and tie. So you know what I did? I always wore a suit and tie, right? Uh, and um, I had one fella uh, who was, he was a singer on the praise worship team, and he just hated. He hated wearing a tie. I mean, he just, he'd rather eat dirt than wear a tie, right? Uh, but it was kind of the expected thing, right? That if you were going to be on the praise worship team, you at least had to have a tie if you were a man. And, um, and so he just, he came by the, praise, the, the sound booth one time, and he looked at me and said, I just wish one time you'd not wear a tie. And kind of mad like that. Uh, and uh, I'm thinking, why did my tie offend you? Mm. It didn't offend him. It was the rebellion in him that he didn't want to wear a tie. So he was hoping that I would establish a coup and rise up against the authoritarian dictates of the pastor who, who never said I had to wear a tie. But, you know, I did out of honor to him. Uh, and uh, But he didn't want to do it. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. Uh, and so uh, so we have to... We have to find that balance in there. Jesus made himself of no reputation, but he's of no reputation right now, too. Sitting on the throne of of God in the glory of heaven, Jesus is just as much of no reputation today as he was when he was on the earth. Uh, And that's where uh, we really struggle, because when we think of somebody no reputation, we think of the lowest of the lowest person, right? Somebody who's of who is, you know, whatever the lowest uh, job we think uh, somebody could have, that's what we think is somebody of no reputation. But Jesus is the greatest uh, being in all the universe, and he still is of no reputation. So that's the question for you is can you do that, right? Can you be the greatest whatever and still be of no reputation? Or, you know, will you, will you actually get a reputation once, you know, you become somebody, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, over the years, I've got to be around a lot of ministers. Even when I was running the sound for my pastor, I was around a lot of ministers and I saw a lot of ministers who were great, humble servants of the Lord. I saw a lot of ministers who were people of reputation. You know, they had to have, you know, uh, only water from the springs of Italy, you know, and, and, and if there wasn't that, you know, they weren't happy. And, and, you know, unless you provide that for them, they weren't happy. And, uh, and it, you know, to me, it's really distasteful to get around people like that, people that won't talk to the riffraff, you know, or they won't, won't talk to the commoners or whatever in their mind, how they deem the people of the church, right? And, and they're almost too good to talk to them before the service or talk to them after the service. And, and I just wonder about that. And I, I understand sometimes you have to separate yourself if, if the Lord's dealing with you or, you know, there's been a, a strong move of God. And I'm, I understand that, that. And those are normal things, right? But that's not a consistent thing. That's just, you know, as the things... Uh, progress and uh, on occasion that would happen uh, and 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 so there's no law right because uh, like when brother Hagen you know at brother Hagen's level you know he's known by literally probably a billion people in the earth uh, well if you're known by a billion people on the earth how many people want to talk to you every time you see him you know he'd go to a camp meeting and he'd have 18 20,000 people there well you literally can't talk to 18 20,000 people so what do you do well you kind of you have to have a buffer right somebody has to kind of see well what do you want uh, and, and people would call him about the craziest things, right? Somehow they'd get a hold of him. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, on occasion he would, you know, people would say, hey, can you come pray for me at my house or whatever? And he would still go. If the Lord told him to go, he would go. Uh, so he wasn't that he was too good for that. But, you know, there's, uh, at some point you, you, just, it, it, you, have to, you have to guard your time, right? So 
there's a balance to everything I understand, uh, but he was never a person of reputation. You know, he, he had no reputation. Uh, and so let this mind be in you. Make yourself of no reputation, right? Uh, and again, uh, I can't stress enough about don't take that as a law to be dumb and foolish and rebellious and different for different sake and nonconformist. All those things are, are exact opposite of no reputation. When Jesus was on the earth, what clothes did he wear? He wore the clothes that people wore, right? In fact, he had a tunic with no seam in it, which was a very expensive piece of clothing. Because if you think about how you make clothes, every piece of clothing we all own in this building today, every one of them has seams in it, right? Uh, why? Because it's really cheap to do it that way. If you're going to uh, hand uh, stitch a piece of clothing without a seam, you'd have to do the entire thing as one piece, right? Almost like a crochet, right? But anybody wearing crochet, I'm not wearing a but even a lot of crochets still got seams in it, right? Because if you're doing a, a sweater or something like that. But Jesus, is, uh, his, his uh, garment was no seam. That means somebody had to completely ma uh, make that by hand in one piece, right? Which was a very expensive thing to do. Uh, and so, but it was the same clothes that pretty much every else, everybody else wore. But it was a very nice piece of clothing, right? Enough so that the uh, Roman centurions, uh, the Roman soldiers... Uh, drew lots to see who's going to get it when they crucified him, right? Because they crucified him naked, so they took his clothes. And uh, you think the, the thief on the cross, they, they uh, cast lots for his clothes? No. And they didn't cast lots. They're like, I don't want that. Uh, but for Jesus' tunic, uh, they cast lots for it because it was a great value, right? So he could be a person that walk around in, in a, with the most expensive piece of clothing and still go talk to a commoner, right? He, that piece of clothing, although he liked it, he wore it. He, he liked it because he, I mean, clearly he liked it because he wore it, right? I mean, he's got a free will. He'd wear whatever he wants to wear. And so it wasn't, you know, uh, that would be like uh, me wearing a really nice suit today, a really expensive suit, a more expensive probably than any suits that I own right now. That's what it would be equivalent to today. And uh, do I have a problem wearing really nice suits? No, I've been thinking about getting me a, a, ni a nice suit to, and you'll probably see it one of these days, right? Uh, and so why? Why? Because I like nice suits, right? Uh, it's not because I want to be somebody or have a reputation. It's because I like nice suits. So um, uh, can you take that out of balance? Absolutely, you can, right? So you have to be careful about those things. Uh, but, he, but to me, verse 7 is a really good uh, part of let this mind be in you. He took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Uh, in other words, we, were, we are limited beings. We live in the natural realm only, right? Uh, we don't live in the spirit realm. Uh, and we talked a little bit about that on Sunday. But he constrained himself primarily to one realm, right? On occasion, he would visit things and see, see into heaven, right? Uh, be visited by Moses and Elijah, uh, situations like that. But for the most part, he was made in the likeness of limited man. Uh, and um, uh, and then uh, I think we got down to uh, that's about where we got down to uh, last week. Right. Uh, and uh, we mentioned several different uh, translations of, about that. Uh, and so. Uh, <clears throat> again, uh, uh, when he made himself in the form of, of a limited man, let this mind be in you also. Right. So uh, and we've talked about this before. Let's turn over to First Corinthians, chapter 15. Um, 1 Corinthians 15 has, has a good 
Uh, it's, it's a kind of a long chapter, but um, it has some good insight about uh, what Jesus did and how he was different when he was on this earth. So we're not going to go into all the details. We could teach on that for just a long period of time. Um, but it was as part of the, the necessity for the plan of redemption. Jesus had to come not as, a, as God, but he had to come as a son of man. Right. We've talked about how as the kinsman redeemer in order to redeem somebody, then the three rules were you had to, first of all, be related. So that's why Jesus was born of a virgin uh, and his father was the father of heaven. That means he was related to every man in the earth. Uh, so that means he was qualified as a family member to redeem all the earth. Uh, then he had to be willing. And so we found out this there. Let's mind being you. Right. Jesus was willing to come and be uh, be made into the form of a man. Uh, and then he had to be uh, able right uh, and to redeem somebody. You had to pay somebody back. So if you're broke. You can't redeem anybody, right? So you had to have money. Uh, Jesus needed to have uh, not money, but he had to have the price to pay for the redemption of mankind. Well, the price to pay for the redemption of mankind was the blood of Jesus, right? The blood from a perfect, uh, un, uh, unsinful man was the price to purchase the redemption of all mankind. Uh, and so his blood was worth that value. So the blood of one man was equal to all the sins that every human being has ever committed and will ever commit. That's pretty valuable, right? I mean, you think about the judgment, so that so the judgment and the cost of that judgment, because in the Old Testament, if you did certain things, you had to kill, you know, a turtle dove. You did other things, you had to kill a ram. You did other things, you had to kill a goat. You know, there's always murdering something, right? And so there was a price for everything, right? And, and uh, so then you take all the sins of all the people that's ever done, and that was the price uh, and it was really an infinite price. There was no limit to that. But the, the blood of Jesus was sufficient to cover that. Right. Uh, and so in First Corinthians, chapter 15, uh, he gets down to um, verse 35 and he starts talking about um, uh, what happens when we die and the distinction of that. And so let's start here in verse 35, First uh, Corinthians, chapter 15. He says, but some men will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou soweth is not quickened except it die. Uh, and so uh, what Paul is saying is here, we won't get a glorified body until, until we die, right? Now, later on, the exception is if we happen to be here when Jesus comes back, you know, then we get it there as well. But uh, in general, we don't get a glorified body until sometime uh, till we actually end this natural life. Uh, and he says in verse 37, that which is uh, in that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or some of other grain. Uh, so, uh, well, we'll keep on here. It says, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same, but there is one kind of flesh of men, one kind of flesh of beasts, one, another of fishes, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So all those verses there, Paul is just saying, uh, basically, we're not going to have the same body when we get resurrected. So he's, he's saying that, you know, you're not going to get resurrected and just keep the same body. You're going to get a brand new body. So, so there's the glory of the body that you have right now. But then there's going to be a better glory of the body that you get when we when we're resurrected. And so the bodies that we have right now 
are terrestrial bodies, right? Bodies made from the earth. Uh, the body that we'll get someday, he's calling a celestial body or a heavenly body. Uh, and so he continues on um, in verse um, 43. It is sown in dishonor. So our natural bodies are sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power, supernatural miracle work and power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. We talked about this on Sunday, right? And so it is written. Uh, this is the part that, that I really want to get to, uh, but we've been building up to it. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So, so Paul is calling Jesus the last Adam. So there was a first Adam, right? Uh, and then there's a last Adam. So if it's the last Adam, how many more are there going to be after the last Adam? After the last one, there's no more, right? Uh, and so, so he is the last Adam. So that's important because he wasn't the last uh, Abel or the last Cain or the last Moses or the last anybody else. He was the last Adam. So Adam was unique, right? In all of mankind, Adam was unique. So what was unique about Adam? Uh, well, first of all, Adam was born without a sin nature, right? A Adam came into the earth, no sin nature, alive unto God all the days of his life until he was an adult. And until he sinned, he was always alive unto God. Uh, now, the rest of us, the Bible says, for all, uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all the rest of us, all of us regular people, uh, we will have sinned somewhere along the way and we will have uh, become spiritually dead. And then Jesus said, you must be born again. But Adam didn't start out that way. And so Adam was alive unto God without uh, a sin nature in his flesh. When you come into the earth, when you're born into the earth, although your spirit is alive unto God, your flesh still has a sin nature uh, because it's passed down by the man, specifically from generation to generation. So, uh, so the problem for us is even if we wanted to be a perfect sacrifice, see, we're unqualified because our bodies have got a sin nature, which is a blot, right? So you remember in the Old Testament when you had to, you know, to sacrifice a sheep or a goat, you know, you couldn't go, well, what's the weakest and, and most disabled goat? You know, one that I don't even want, the scrawniest one that I don't want to, I wouldn't even eat. Well, the Lord said, no, that's not acceptable. You go find the best. You go find the best sheep, the best lamb, whatever it is, the very best, no spot, no blemish. You know, I don't want, you know, well, the hair's falling out, it's missing a leg, none of that. Right. It had to be the best, perfect, uh, the one that you could find was what qualified it to be a, a, a valuable sacrifice. Uh, and if it had a spot or blemish, it was unqualified, uh, unable to be used as a sacrifice. So because we have a sin nature in our bodies, we are unqualified to be a sacrifice. You know, a lot of people, I'll, I'm going to be a sacrifice. You're unqualified. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice myself. You are unqualified. You are, it's not that God hates you. It's not that God's mad at you. You are unqualified and unworthy to be uh, used as a perfect sacrifice. Uh, and so that's why one big reason why Jesus had to be the last Adam is he had to be qualified a body that was prepared for him. The Bible says the body that was prepared for him <clears throat> without a sin nature. So that when he went to become the sacrifice, then it wasn't disqualified. Because if you took a, a blemished uh, sheep or goat to, uh, to be um, sacrificed, then it would be deemed unqualified to be sacrificed to the, to the perfect Lord in heaven. So he was the last Adam, uh, and so there's not going to be any more, and there will never be a need, a need for any more, so that's why he's the last one. Uh, and, of course, there's some other reasons uh, why he was the last Adam. Another, uh, another good reason that I like 
the Lord showed me one time was um, when Adam came into the earth, a lot of people have the, the philosophy that Adam was doomed to fail, that the Lord intentionally put a, failing, a failure in him, uh, a limited will or limited uh, whatever capacity to make a decision. And uh, so Adam was doomed to fail. There was no way that Adam could not fail. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I think a lot about this, you know, this particular problem, because that's to me, it's not a big deal because it's it, it is what it is. A lot of people really struggle with that. But I also think um, part of the issue is as a free will, which we all have. The very the very premise of a free will is you get to choose right and wrong. And that is it's it's not a flaw. It's just a characteristic of of a free will. You know, God has a free will, right? Jesus has a free will, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we know other places in the word of God, it says that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. So Jesus could have sinned, uh, but he chose not to, right? So he chose not to by his free will. It's not that he was incapable of sinning. It's that he chooses not to sin. Uh, and so God the Father uh, could choose to sin. He chooses not to. And he has chosen never to sin. And he will choose never to sin because he's God. Uh, but it doesn't mean he couldn't sin, right? People say, oh, he couldn't do it. Well, if he's got a free will, he could do that, right? Of course, if God is the, I mean, sin is missing the mark that God sets. And if he's the one's making the mark, could he actually sin? You know, that, that gets you into, into a whole bunch of deep philosophical questions that are unnecessary to do, delve into today. But the whole essence of Adam was he had a choice. The whole essence of Jesus was he had a choice when he came to the earth, right? You remember what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. So we understand in that moment, his will actually differed from God the Father. And he could have chosen to go down that path. It wasn't that, well, he, there's no way he could have chosen that. He literally said, my will is different than the Father's. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So he made the correct choice. So just because your will differs from the Father, that's not the issue. The issue is, once it's revealed to you that there's a difference, what do you do then? Because all of us do what we want to do every day, you know. Uh, and so uh, the question for us is once it's revealed that what you're wanting to do is in sin and wrong, then what do you do? Well, then if you choose to do what you know is sin and wrong, well, then you're in sin. Amen. Uh, and so could Jesus have done that? Well, sure, he could have done it because he was the last Adam. If Adam could have sinned, which he did, then Jesus could have sinned, which he didn't do. And so one of the big reasons why Jesus came to be the last Adam was to prove and to defeat the lie that says Adam was doomed to fail. Because Jesus came in the exact same position that Adam was in and didn't fail. Adam, uh, in fact, really, uh, uh, Jesus had it harder than Adam had because Jesus only had the serpent in the garden. There was nobody else there to encourage Adam to sin except for the serpent. And Jesus still had the, the, the wilderness experience with the devil, but he also had all the devil's cohorts with all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and all the people in Herod and Pontius Pilate and everybody trying to get him to sin. And then did he sin? Never sinned, right? Could he have sinned? Well, surely he could have, right? And some people would think that's heresy, right? In fact, I was thinking about this for some reason the other day uh, when I was in high school. Uh, uh, I know you're not going to believe this, but I was actually part of a singing group. Uh, and so I designed a logo and everything. You know, I had this really cool logo. You know, the logo was better than my singing, I'm sure. Uh, and, um, uh, and the lady that was kind of heading it up, um, 
we used to have long discussions. You know, I was like 17 years old. We'd have long discussions about the word and stuff. And she, got, she started saying something about how Jesus could never do this. Jesus could never do that. Now, I'm just 17 years old. Right? I'd have been born again, you know, by that time. I mean, I was a, uh, been, let's see. Uh, yeah, I've been born again for like two years. I mean, I really just about knew everything there was to know by the Lord by that time, right? Uh, but, um, uh, and so we were having a discussion. She got mad at me. She said, you're making Jesus out to be human. And I'm like, well, he was, he came. I mean, literally, we just read he came in the likeness of man, right? So that, that means he was human, right? He was a human being. He could bleed. He could, I mean, he bled, obviously. If he couldn't bleed, then, then there would be no cross, right? No need for the cross. No need for the blood. Uh, and, and, I, and I just, you know, even now, it's like, uh, I wonder why she was so upset at me. Uh, and, I, and I have noticed that sometimes people like to keep Jesus in this box over here that, that he, you know, everything is completely sovereign and there was no chance of failure. Right? When Jesus came, you know, well, he couldn't, he couldn't sin. There's no way he could sin. Well, then, then there's no free will. He came with a free will. He came with a free will to, to yield to his parents. Remember, they had to find him in Jerusalem when he was 12 years old. He'd gone off and started talking to the doctors of the law. And it's from that point forward... He obeyed his parents, right? He wasn't a disobedience, but he, you know, he's like, oh, well, I guess they're going to worry if I stick around in Jerusalem and don't tell them where I'm at. I guess I should. He said, I should, I'm, I'm supposed to be about my father's business. See, he, he's thinking I'm 12 years old. It's time to, you know, be a man, right? And of course, when you're a Jewish person, 13 years old, you're considered a man, right? Uh, and so he's just, he's moving forward. I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a mission. I've got to be the son of God, the son of man here. And I'm heading that direction. And his parents say, you're still under our control. And it's like, okay, no problem. So what did he do? He, he backed it off and he, and he became some more submissive to his parents because his actions, although not sin, did worry his parents, right? They were fretful. They remember, they were chasing around looking for him for like three days and they finally found him. And why wouldn't you know he was in the temple? Where would you think I'd be? I'm not going to be at the bar, you know. We thought you was at the tattoo parlor or something, you know. Uh, no, I wasn't there. I was just, you know, in the, in the temple talking to the, to the doctors of the law. So Jesus was the last Adam, which is a big deal, right? I mean, that, that little phrase there, there's a lot of connotations to that phrase that we just have to meditate on and think about and, and, um, and ask the question, well, why? Why does it matter that he was the last Adam, right? And that's how I do a lot of my study. Lord, you said that, but why, why does that matter? Why, why was what was unique about Adam? And so we've talked about several of those things, right? Uh, and so uh, he goes on to say in verse 46, Howbeit that, uh, how that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. So the first man is of the earth earthly, uh, the second uh, man is of the Lord from heaven. As is the earth, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, as is the heavenly, such... Uh, such are they also that are heavenly. And we, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So Paul is just saying that Jesus came uh, to reflect what we will be someday. Uh, and, uh, and that's what we will be someday, right? Uh, and so, now this I say in verse 50, uh, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So he said that we have to have a change, right? We can't go into heaven with these bodies, right? The earthly bodies, they, they, they came from the earth, but, but the, also the issue is that the earth has been touched by sin and our body's been touched by sin. So got to get rid of them, got to get new bodies, right? 
So all of that goes back then. Let's go back then to um, uh, to uh, to Philippians chapter two there. And so um, uh, Adam's body uh, was just like the body of Jesus. It was immortal. uh, Right. So uh, in essence, if Adam had not sinned, his body would be alive today. He'd be with us today. Right. Uh, And. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross and made himself subject to, sin, to death, right? He didn't make himself subject to, to, to sin, but he made himself subject to death. In fact, the very next verse says that he became obedient to death. See, he chose to become obedient to death. Death said, I want to kill you. And, and Jesus said, not today. And, and every day it was not today until the day of the cross. He said, okay, today. And death was like, what? Yeah, today you can kill me. Uh, and so he chose to make himself obedient. To, that's what he said in John chapter 10, that uh, that he lays his his own life down. In fact, um, uh, let's turn over to. Um, um, well, let's before we get there, let me read a couple more things here. There, Adam had an immortal body. Adam was alive unto God spiritually. Uh, Adam lived without the sin nature and Adam was directly born of God. So those are how all those things were true of Jesus. Um, uh, and so then we get to verse eight here of chapter two and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Uh, and so where it says uh, that he made himself obedient to death, that's where we're going to turn to, to John chapter 10. I'll look it up for my clock. My clock's not here, right? Uh, we don't have a clock yet. So, um, so John chapter 10. You know, and all, and all of these things, to me, as, I, as we study these things, these things are, th- this doctrine is stuff that helps me have a stronger faith in the re- plan of redemption and the work of the Lord Jesus. You know, a lot of people, they think, if you commit the smallest infraction, you know, you're, you were a Christian today, but you made the small mistake, and now you're doomed to hell because you made the mistake. And they act like we, we, we're hanging by a thread with heaven. That's the smallest little thing Heaven can't take it, and we're gonna all gonna die in in, in our sins, uh, and it really shows a small understanding of how big the plan of redemption was, how much work uh, the Lord put into it, and how costly it was, and how profoundly uh, precious and powerful our redemption is. Uh, that it's not some small thing that if we mess up, we just ruined everything, uh, because if that was the case, even though the whole earth could get born again. Nobody would make it to heaven because we're all flawed people. And we're not making an excuse for sin. I'm not saying it's okay to sin, uh, but uh, we've got the sin nature. And, and sometimes uh, until we get so used to living in the spirit realm that we never make a mistake, that's such a high bar that so few people ever get there. You know, I think some people probably have. Uh, I imagine they have. But, um, I mean, the Lord Jesus wants more than three people in heaven, right? Uh, and so... So it's just uh, all of these things to me are, are, are things that show how, how powerful our redemption is. And so Jesus said here in uh, John chapter 10, uh, let's start in verse 17. He says, Thus, uh, therefore doth my father love me because I laid down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. So that's a big, a big statement right there, right? So did the Romans kill Jesus? No. Did the Jews kill Jesus? No, nobody killed Jesus, right? I laid down my life, right? That I might take it again. 
No man taketh it from me. So he was not killed. Was he a victim? If he gave it up, he wasn't a victim. He did it by choice, right? Now, all the people who chose to do that are in big trouble, right? Just because he let them do it doesn't mean it's okay that they did it, right? I mean, did Judas make it? No, Judas was a son of perdition. He didn't make it, even though Jesus knew he would do it, even though uh, Jesus let him uh, uh, rat him out in the Garden of Gethsemane. It still was his choice to do it, right? So, uh, so on the person doing these things, they still have the responsibility of what they've done. So all the Roman soldiers that took him to the cross, that nailed him to the cross, they've got to answer for that, right? Uh, even Pontius Pilate, who, who, who said, I washed my hands of this, he didn't really wash his hands of it. He still let Jesus uh, be crucified, right? So he's not innocent. You know, people thought, oh, he's innocent. He's not innocent because uh, the sin of omission is still a sin, right? So he abdicated his responsibility uh, and chose not to do the right thing. Uh, but it says that Jesus, uh, it says that, uh, no man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. So if you remember when he was dead on the cross, when he finally died, said it's finished and he, and he took one last sip and it says, uh, Lord, I commit my, myself to you. And he gave up the ghost. Uh, and then you remember uh, that was on uh, Sabbath started on uh, that evening, right? And Sabbath went from that evening to the, the full following day, right? So uh, we say it was Saturday. But it was, uh, if it was a Saturday, it was Saturday evening was when Passover started. Well, he was crucified, put on the cross around noon. And so, so from noon, uh, the Jews always made sure that if somebody was crucified on the day that Sabbath started, that they, they got him off the cross before Sabbath actually began at sundown. Because, you know, uh, in fact, that there is a, an Old Testament verse that says don't leave somebody up on the cross you know, crucified on a tree during Sabbath. And so, I mean, it's kind of a big deal that they crucified him to begin with, right? Well, you know, okay, yeah, that's not that big of a deal that we crucified him. It's a lot bigger deal that we leave him on the cross, you know, during Passover, right? It's kind of a big deal that they crucified him, right? Uh, and so, but then if you remember, uh, the, uh, the Jews came and told uh, uh, Pilate, hey, we don't want these guys hanging around during Passover, so go break their legs. And that's what they would do. So they'd put them on the cross, right? And they were basically holding themselves up uh, by pushing against the nails on their hands and the nails on their feet to be able to breathe because they would, your body would tend to sag and you'd be fill up with, fill up with um, all kinds of fluids and you would you'd tend to suffocate. So in order to get enough air, you would push yourself up on these nails. So it was excruciating, right? Just to be able to breathe. But the body recoils against death. So it would do whatever it could to breathe. So what they would do is they would, come and break their legs. They wouldn't shoot them or anything like that and put them out of the misery. They'd break their legs so then they couldn't hold themselves up and they would suffocate under their own fluids and stuff, you know, and not be able to breathe. So they, they would basically suffocate on the cross. It's horrible, right? Uh, and so, you know, they could just, would just kill them, right? Or shoot them or stab them or something, you know, but they wouldn't do that, right? They're going to make them, we're going to make you suffer, but we're going to speed up the suffering, right? So make you suffer quicker. Uh, and so, so, and they went out there to kill him, to, to break their kneecaps, so they would accelerate the death. But Jesus was already dead. And they said, well, that's interesting. He's already dead. The other two people on the cross weren't dead yet. They were still hanging in to, to the bitter end, right? And Jesus, you know, he, he was going to be... T There's no way you could outlast Jesus of anything, right? He, he was the man. So Jesus uh, picked the time and the hour that he was going to die on the cross, right? And he did, he did it by choice. I lay it down. 
Uh, I have power to lay it down and I have power or authority to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. So all of that to say, you know, going back then to to Philippians 2, 8, being found in fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Right. So he chose to become obedient to death. Now, remember, we talked about humility, right? Humility is staying where you're supposed to be. So in this moment, Jesus chose to put himself under death, right? To humble himself and become obedient to death. That means that death was over him, right? Death got to choose to, to end his natural body. But, he cho- but Jesus chose to do that, right? He chose to go and find death and say, okay, death, now I answer to you. You can take me out. Uh, you can go ahead and take me out. Uh, and that's what death did, right? Death came to him because death is a thing, right? Death is a person. It's a personality. Uh, and... Uh, it's a spirit, right? Uh, and, and it's called an enemy. Uh, so Jesus chose to humble himself and put him in place under death. And that's humility, right? Humility is choosing to remain under wherever you're called to be. Uh, instead of stepping out, well, I, you know, I'm too good for this position. Well, then you're not humble. Or I'm not good enough for this position, which is also no, no humility, right? Humility is this is my position. This is where I'm supposed to be. Well, you're not good enough for that. Doesn't matter. This is where the Lord put me, right? Uh, and, and so I think about uh, what uh, Dr. Dufresne, uh, back in the day before he was a traveling minister, he was a pastor. He started a church, a charismatic church, around the time of the charismatic revival, which was the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. And he said at the time you could start a church and everybody would come because they were so used to not hearing faith that when they started hearing faith, everybody would come. Uh, and so now we've kind of, uh, we really, uh, the church today is sort of dull of hearing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we all know faith. It's like, we really don't know faith. You know, you need to go to faith church, right? Uh, I mean, a lot of people go to the first church of doubt and unbelief. Uh, and so, but he said uh, 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 within no time, he had a thousand members in his church, right? A thousand member church. And they said, one fellow came to him and said, I could be a better pastor than you. Well, first of all, is that humble? Are you staying under the pastor? No, you think you're better than a pastor, right? So number one, you've already failed the test of humility. You're not staying in your lane. Uh, and, uh, and so Dr. Dufresne, being Dr. Dufresne, looked at him and said, well, you probably could. He said, but the difference is, he said, I'm called to be the pastor and you're not. Goodbye. <laughs> and so, and that's kind of the way, his way, right? Because it may be that you, more, you may be able to orotate better than the pastor. You may be able to administrate better than a pastor. You may be able to shake your hands and wink better than a pastor. But if you're not called to be the pastor, it doesn't matter, right? You're not, you're not, you'll never be as good as the pastor because you're not called to do that job, right? Uh, and so for me, I know I'm called to be this pa- to pastor of this church. Well, are there people that think they could do a better job than you? Plenty of people have thought they could do a better job than me. And they, they may could have, right? It's not even a question of whether they may could have or not. doesn't matter. They're not called to do it, right? So they could never do it. In that sense, they could never do a better job than me because they're not called to this role, amen? They may be called to be a pastor, but it'd be down the street somewhere, right? Across the country somewhere, amen? Uh, and so, but if you're not called to be in this pulpit, then it doesn't matter who you are. You could never do as good a job as I can. That doesn't make me better than everybody else in the world, it makes me called to this position, amen? And in that sense, see, I can be humble saying, I can do this job better than anybody else. Because if I'm called to be in, in this pulpit, this currently brown and white, soon to be some other color pulpit, right? Because we're not allowed to keep this color or this, you know, whatever. Uh, but um, uh, if I'm called to be behind this pulpit, then nobody else 
could do this job unless the Lord says it's time for me to move on and he pulls somebody else in this position. Amen. Uh, and so, so Jesus chose to make himself obedient unto death. So that's a, that's a big deal, right? Uh, he chose to do that. So the death didn't come and, and overtake him, right? De- death didn't beat him or win. There was no fight there. He just, okay, you can come. Uh, and so uh, now in, in Hebrews, it talks about, uh, or in Hebrews chapter 2, um, let's turn over there real quick there. In Hebrews chapter 2, uh, he says, uh, in, um, uh, well, let's start in verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. So uh, the difference between Jesus and us is because of our sin nature, we are subject to death, right? We will die. There's nothing we can do about it. We're going to die. If we don't want to die, we're still going to die, right? If we want to die, we're still going to die. It doesn't matter if we want to die or don't want to die, we're still going to die. So uh, if the Lord tarries, even if we live as long as we possibly can from a promise of God, best we're going to do is 120 years, and then we're going to die, amen? So we are in bondage to, uh, subject to that bondage all of our lifetime. Uh, and, so, and so Jesus came to deliver us from that, right? So that someday we can live a life free from death. Amen. Not going to happen today. Uh, and the death in the morning and the grieving that will, will go on in the earth will continue to go on until the Lord Jesus comes back and destroys that. But he he had to do that way because he was able to get death to violate its principles. It was not allowed to kill anybody who was uh, without sin. And uh, and Jesus was without sin. So death violated its protocol by taking somebody and separating their spirit from their body without uh, being allowed to do that, without having a reason to do it. It thought it could because Jesus made himself uh, subject to death. And so it thought, well, since he did, since he said it's okay, I guess it's okay. You know, that should tell you just because somebody says it's okay, it doesn't mean it's okay, right? Uh, did, uh, how'd that work out for, for, for uh, Abraham when Sarah said it's okay, right? How'd that work out for Samson when Delilah said it's okay, right? How'd it work out for David when, when um, um, Bathsheba said it was okay, right? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, fortunately uh, for Job, although his wife said it was okay to curse God and die, did he do that? No. So at least one guy said, woman, you talk like a foolish woman, right? Yeah. Only man ever, he said, you talk like, now you probably had to duck after that. But everybody else said, honey, you're right. Let's go do it, right? <laughs> and so how'd it work out for all those other guys? Yeah. What about Solomon and his 900 wives, you know? How'd it work out for him? Uh, no, you know, they all backslid, right? Every one of them backslid from the Lord. Uh, and Job, although he didn't know how to find the, the forgiveness of the Lord or the repentance of the Lord until the end, he still stuck with the Lord. With the Lord. And so sometimes in ignorance, it's better to stick. Even though I don't know how to get out of where I'm at, I ain't going where you're going, right? And so that, that's, you know, uh, so that, that's, uh, uh, that's pretty. See, death wasn't very bright because anybody who would rebel against God having seen God right now, none of us have seen God. So, uh, but anybody who rebelled against God, having seen him, not very bright. So death rebelled against God, having seen him, that not very bright. So, you know, even though the, the, the devil knows a lot of things, he's kind of stupid, right? 
Uh, and so he's still mean and crafty and sneaky and, and uh, smarter than most of us, probably, as far as his natural intelligence, but he's still stupid, the, the stupidest smart person you'll ever meet. Uh, and so, so Jesus made himself subject to death. And, and by doing so, death took advantage of that and thought it had won. And, of course, it hadn't won, right? It violated its principles. It, it, it had no right to take Jesus. It had no authority to take Jesus, right? Uh, and, so that, and that was really part of the plan. Jesus was smart uh, like that, right? And so Jesus died the death uh, uh, of the crucifixion, which in Roman, in Roman um, culture, basically, you know, they, they had a whole list of ways to kill you, right? Kill you like this, kill you like that, right? And if you were a noble person and you, you were uh, convicted of capital punishment, they would just cut your head off. Real quick, clean, you're done. You're here today, bam, gone, right? No pain, no gain, just you're over, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and so that's what you did with it. Now, a lot of nobility, if you're a Roman citizen, uh, which Paul was a Roman citizen, Jesus was not a Roman citizen, but if you're a Roman citizen, you could actually get away with murder. You know, you could, if you killed your kids, yeah, it's okay, right? You killed your... You know, if you uh, killed certain people, you know, it's okay. But other people, you know, don't do that next time, right? They kind of slap you on the wrist, right? Uh, now, if you were not a Roman citizen, you'd get capital punishment. Uh, but if you did other things to kill, like now, if you killed your parents, that was usually a death penalty, right? Because that's rude. Uh, but if you killed your own kids, you know, they probably had it coming, right? I mean, that's kind of their thoughts, right? And so, uh, so you know, a lot of times you get away with it, right? And so, it, I mean, it was really crazy, right? Uh, and so, uh, but if you were, if you were a beggar, uh, a, a poor person, a servant, you know, a slave, and you did something wrong, to the cross. So it was limited to just the, the worst dregs of society was the, the, and you think about that. I mean, that Jesus suffered the, the most humiliating uh, death. He wasn't given a, 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 a royal death. Right, that was worthy of his position. Of course, none would be worthy of, of him because he's not qualified to die. But you know, he wasn't treated like royalty. He was treated like a commoner, and so the worst possible death was that was the crucifixion because of the shame and you know, and and they did that so they would encourage everybody else to not do what they did. Right? I mean, nowadays, you know, if you do something wrong in America, you go to a air-conditioned you know bed with a 24-hour, you know, room service. I mean, that sounds tough, right? Of course, they may stab you with a shank out there in the, in the yard, too. I don't know, but, uh, but still, overall, not so bad, right? Three meals a day, and unless you go for that. Was, it, was that guy out, out in Arizona, right, the, the sheriff out there? He makes them all wear, like, pink jumpsuits, and he feeds them literally bread, one slice of bologna, no mayonnaise or mustard or nothing. You know, that's what you get, three meals a day. Uh, and... Um, he said, well, this is supposed to be punishment, right? <laughs> they get no TV, no magazines, and people have had lawsuits, you know. Uh, and uh, you do whatever you want to. If you want to run in jail, however you want to, none of my business, right? Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, so, so Jesus died the death of a commoner, right? Common slave, common servant, and not as royalty that was befitting of somebody of pilot stature or greater, right? Uh, and so, uh, and he chose to do that. For whose benefit? For you, for me, right? How can we not serve him? How can we not be glad to do whatever it takes to do what he wants us to do, right? How can we not be willing to give up everything in our life to serve him? Because he, he did, all this he did for us, right? And it was such a great plan. And so, uh, and all of that is wrapped up there in Philippians chapter 2 there. Um, uh, and so, 
that takes us to the end of verse 8 there. So now Jesus is dead. Uh, next week we'll pick up Jesus now gets to be alive. So now we get to go back the other way and see the good things that's happened because of his work there. Uh, and so, but, I, but th- these verses, uh, starting with verse 5 there about let this mind be also in you, which is in Christ Jesus, from, from verse 5 to verse 8, uh, I would encourage you meditate on those verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 and think about the servant position that Jesus chose to do Nobody made him do it. He, he had that mind of being a servant without reputation to tell the Lord whatever it takes. Whatever the cost, I'm willing to do that. That's the mind that was in Christ. That's the mind he, Paul said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. You know, a lot of people are like, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Well, how about that? Well, not that, Lord. Lord, I'll do you whatever you want me to do as long as it's on this list. Right? This is okay. This is okay. These over here, not okay. Lord, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. You know that. Uh, and, and so... Uh, you can't pick and choose or you're not pick and choose as a humble servant of the Lord what he wants you to do, right? Uh, and so if we were smart, we would let this mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus, amen? Because it, did it work out pretty good for him? Worked out pretty good for him. He had to suffer a little bit along the way, but it's over with. It's, it's, you know, it's long, long history behind him now, and so all is well. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that this mind was in Jesus, that uh, he chose to make himself obedient to the will of God. He chose, Father, to to put himself on the cross. He chose, Father, to to shed blood on our behalf. Uh, And, Father, he chose to come and make himself in the likeness of uh, a man, Father, uh, limited and without the scope of the earth that he, he was prior to coming to the earth. All of these things, Father, he did so that others could benefit from it. It was no benefit to him, Father. There was only a benefit to us. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And and that's kind of why I like those verses there, because to me it shows how big that the work that Jesus did really was, right? It's much bigger, I think, probably even uh, we can appreciate it. And I even, as we were preaching tonight, I got some more insight about death and how all those things work, so... I'm glad I was here. I don't know about you, but uh, uh, it was good. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, um, and I want to r- remind too the, the people, you know, in case we get people watching us online, you know, if you're interested in giving along with that, you know, you can go to our website at DaytonWOT.org and um, there's a giving button there. And um, you're not trying to get any money out of anybody, but, you know, uh, uh, I always encourage everybody to give, right? Uh, I would encourage you, um, uh, whenever I go to a service, you know, I, I always, it's even a dollar. And not because I need your dollar, it's because uh, we should always have an attitude to give, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so I'd encourage the folks that are online that uh, follow that link there. And uh, we do have a link uh, that you can do on your phone. Uh, we'll get that for you at some point in time so that if you want to do it by phone, you can do that as well. Uh, but let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we thank you that it, that it is a blessing to give. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. And, Father, we give you the praise and the honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. And um, so uh, we'll have to double check with our, um, our hosts here. If, uh, as long as we don't overstay our welcome, you know, I think we're good. If we overstay, we may have to be out in the parking lot or be out in the yard out there, or, you know. Uh, we use the dry cleaner building, you know, it's completely empty, right? But there's no air conditioning or lighting or anything there. But if we go during the daytime, we're probably good, right? Until June, we'll probably be fine. It won't be too hot, too cold, you know. 
and there's no power or, or restroom facilities either there. So, you know, uh, but um, uh, anyway, I think we're fine. So, uh, and we'll make sure we take care of them when we get done with all this. We'll, we'll um, help them uh, for being a blessing to us. Amen. Uh, and so, all right, well, let's, uh, we'll break the church down then and uh, we'll be back here on Sunday morning, right?